<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I am your host, Les, and I am so honored to be sharing this space with you today. If you're new to listening to Balanced Black Girl, This is a dedicated safe space where we learn the stories, experiences, and expertise of Black women experts in wellness, in health, in personal development, and we learn about them, learn from them, and connect with one another. So welcome. As this year is winding down, I am really, really hoping that we're dialing up how we take care of ourselves. Looking at these COVID cases, these numbers are through the roof, which is so very scary. And I hope that you are able to be as safe as possible. Please make sure you're wearing your mask. Please make sure washing your hands, keeping a safe distance. I know it has been such a hard, isolating year. However, we have to do all we can to keep one another and ourselves safe. And this pandemic is still real out here. It's getting really real, especially as we get closer to winter. And I really want you and your loved ones to be as safe as possible. And I know I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but I just had to um, throw that out there because I care about you and I, I want you to be good and I want your people to be good. So I know for a little while there, things were getting a little lax. It seemed like things were opening back up, but it is definitely that time to start tightening things back up with the safety if you have not already. I'm going to go ahead and stop lecturing you (laughs) about that. But it it wouldn't be an effective, healthy living space if we didn't kind of continue to stress the importance of that. 
In addition to being a healthy living space, you know, one of my visions for Balanced Black Girl is that it's also a community. And especially this year with COVID, with so many of us being physically distant from one another, it has really highlighted the importance of community for all of us. If you listened to last week's solo episode that I shared detailing more of my wellness journey, you know that seeking out community is something that is still a little bit newer for me when it comes to wellness, because when I first started, I really did feel like I was all on my own. However, the more that I'm letting people in and the more that I'm sharing with other people, I'm realizing that my definition of of wellness, my definitions of self-care, the things that I do, the ways that I'm able to take care of my mind, body, and spirit are expanding greatly. And it's giving me an even bigger appreciation for community than ever before. And I think we're all looking for ways to be creative in how we connect with one another because we're not able to physically do a lot of the things that we used to do. So I want to invite you to check out our soon-to-be membership community, specifically for Balanced Black Girl listeners. We have a link in the show notes where you can sign up for more information. It's going to be opening incredibly soon, and I am so excited to share that space with you. Essentially, the membership community is going to be the next level to the podcast. So many of these conversations are about the what, right? We're learning the what, what makes these different balanced Black women who they are. But the community is really a space where we can get to know one another better and really learn the how. So we'll be having guests come back and teach workshops and programming related to their topic, right? If you heard a hot tip, but you're like, oh, how do I actually apply that to my life? The community is where you'll learn how to apply it. We will be bringing back the book club within the community. We will have monthly guided meditations and journaling sessions and opportunities for folks to connect with one another within the community. So if you have been on your wellness journey and you, like me, had experienced some isolation in that, right, experience isolation as you start stepping into that version of yourself that is a little bit more expanded and a little bit more awake than your previous version of self, I promise you are not alone. There are people on that journey with you and there are those of us in the Balanced Black Girl community who want to go through that journey with you. So please make sure you head to the show notes, sign up for more information there, and you will be the first to know when doors open to our membership community, which is going to be super soon if you're listening to this episode on the day that it comes out. Okay, so now that I had to, you know, we had to talk about being safe with this pandemic, we had to talk about our community. Now I am so excited to get to today's interview because our guest is phenomenal. Our guest today is Tiffany Wright, who is a mental health professional, author, speaker, and wellness consultant based in Inglewood, California. She obtained a BA in sociology and a BA in psychology from UC Davis and her Master of Science in Social Work from Columbia University in New York. 
Her clinical work focuses on trauma, grief, esteem, relationships, and eating disorders. And her areas of expertise are creating culturally relevant healing spaces, trauma-informed care and leadership, tools for self-care, historic and intergenerational trauma, grief, and loss. Tiffany has facilitated healing, educational, and professional workshops, seminars, trainings, and events for universities, high schools, communities in the U.S. and abroad, you name it, all around the topics of empowerment, wellness, trauma, and mental health. I'm so honored to have Tiffany on the show today because she's been a part of the Balanced Black Girl community for a while. Um, We actually have mutual friends. She was part of our Facebook community. And earlier this year, she and I both spoke on a virtual panel about self-care during quarantine. And when we were on that panel together, she just shared so many incredible, incredible pieces of wisdom that I was like, one... I want to have you on the podcast. I also want to be your friend. And I also want you to be my therapist. And I don't know if we can do all three of those things, but I'm really hoping you can come on the podcast. And I'm really hoping we can be friends. (laughs) And um, I have just been really honored to get to know her. So excited to share this conversation with you because she is just has such a way of sharing things in the realest, most beautiful way. She has a wealth of knowledge and this conversation with her about how we can really take care of our minds during these times where there is just so much happening is so timely. So if you are in a tough spot, you're really feeling like, man, I need some new coping mechanisms. I need to figure out how I'm going to get through this. Today's conversation is for you. I'm so excited to share this talk with Tiffany. Tiffany, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. I am so excited and grateful to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So backstory for those listening, Tiffany and I connected earlier this year towards the beginning of quarantine. It was probably a couple months ago. It feels like a year and a half ago, but (laughs) the way time is moving. Um, But we had did a Facebook live chat about self-care with Felicia Leatherwood towards the beginning of quarantine. And when we did that live, I just loved hearing from you, your experiences, your expertise, your energy, all of it. And I knew that I really wanted to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I love talking about all things wellness, self-care, mental health, personal growth. So I am grateful to have this combo with you. Definitely, definitely. You're in the right place. So I would love to start off by having our audience get the chance to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Can you share with us a little bit more about your backstory and what brought you to work in the mental health space? (sighs) The story, the background <laughs> story. Um, so I'm raised in Inglewood, California. Um, pretty much was raised by my mother and my grandfather. Um, have a pretty extended, big extended family. And when I was younger, I didn't know at the time, but my mother had a lot of mental health challenges, uh, which caused me to be raised by a lot of different people in my family um, and also experienced a, a bit of chaos, so to speak, some, you know, normal 
quote unquote normal dysfunction of, you know, black family experience. And I had a child therapist or psychologist when I was little and I started having harmful thoughts when I was young and uh, kind of manifesting unhealthy behaviors even as a young child because of some of the things I was exposed to, um, some of the trauma that I experienced. And this therapist, this psychologist, she was so amazing. And she really just allowed me to feel safe and comfortable. And at that point, I was seven, eight years old. And I told myself that I wanted to be a child therapist uh, because I wanted to be able to do for other kids what she did for me. And that's literally pretty much um, how, where I am came to be. I always had an intention of going into therapy. I always had an intention of going into a field where I could support individuals who didn't feel like they had a voice or could express themselves. And I decided to go the route of obtaining my master's in social work as opposed to doing marriage and family therapy or going into clinical psychology because I learned that social work took into consideration not only the full individual, but the family, the community, the country, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the society, everything um, that impacts an individual's understanding of themselves and the world. And so I've definitely had a very unique journey. I've worked in on every level, micro level, in communities, macro level, in uh, major institutions, and in the meso level in between and just uh, the community in and of itself. And so with all my experiences working in child welfare, working um, in treatment facilities uh, with eating disorders, uh, working with HIV AIDS organizations, I've just come to really understand how important it is to be a Black clinician supporting Black folks um, and just a person of color, a Black person being able to support other persons of color because at least the world, meaning the U.S. experience is so invalidating and it challenges people's sense of worth and value and enoughness every single day. And of course, with the history that we have with the medical system and the notion of mental health and mental illness, I just understood how pivotal it was for me to take up the role in the space that I decided to take up. Um, And so that's what really led me to where I am now. Uh, Long story short, um, I've gone on my own journey and continue to embark on my own journey when it comes to understanding myself and how the inner workings of my upbringing and the world around me impact how I show up for myself and others. So, you know, I'm very passionate about living and doing the very things that I support my clients. Yeah. um, I explained to people that there are about 60 different therapeutic frameworks. And the two that I associate the most with are existential therapy and transpersonal therapy, 
which in some both focus on a more holistic approach to supporting an individual in their therapeutic journey and exploring things like purpose and spirituality and sense of self and your mission, your values, why you're here, what you're doing, uh, what makes you you. Because in my own wellness journey, understanding self and building self-awareness and really connecting to mindfulness practices and Eastern traditional Chinese medicine or Eastern practices, uh, spiritual practices, West African spiritual practices, understanding how important spirituality and sense of self is in maneuvering this world and maneuvering your understanding with yourself is something that's so important to me. So I like to bring that into the therapeutic space. Hello, Balanced Black Girl listener. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to invite you to check out our new membership community just for you. Guided by Balanced Black Girl is a members-only platform to help you live a more balanced life. In the community, you'll get a chance to take live classes with Balanced Black Girl experts from the podcast, and you'll gain access to new exclusive content, self-care tools, courses, guided meditations, and more, all in a safe space with a supportive community. Visit balanceblackgirl.com slash community for more information. Again, that's balanceblackgirl.com slash community. All right, let's get back to the show. Oh my goodness. Well, first and foremost, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us and just that experience of being a child in therapy, having a therapist who had such an amazing effect on you um, to guide your career path and that that's what led you here, I think is just such an incredible, incredible thing. And in your work, taking a holistic approach, um, I think that that's also just so interesting. Like, I love it. I would love to learn more about that because, I mean, I am not a mental health professional, but I think on the outside looking in for those of us who maybe have a surface level understanding of mental health and mental health practices, it can feel like what's clinical and what's holistic can be kind of two opposite mm. ends of the yeah. spectrum. And for you, you really, you do both, you, mm-hmm. you marry both. And mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit more about how the two work together and how they're not kind of opposites the way it, it may seem like they are? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, even when I'm having consultations with folks, that's why I share with people that there are about 60 different frameworks. So there definitely are frameworks that therapists operate from that do not bring up spirituality, um, that do not incorporate spirituality. I just don't believe that there's a possibility of separating that from um, the challenges that people are having, from the coping skills that people use, um, and people understanding who they are in reference to the challenges that are coming up in their life just because the mind, body, and spirit is connected. And one is always impacting the other two. Um, one is always impacting one another and understanding why you have behavior patterns, why you cope with what you cope with, the way that you cope with it, why you see yourself a certain way, the world a certain way, uh, 
other people a certain way, why you show up in relationships, why you avoid certain things, why you experience emotions or express the emotions that you do, and all the ideas and beliefs that you have about yourself, I do believe that they are impacted by your sense of spirituality, which is your connection to yourself. I tell folks, you know, spirituality does not necessarily have anything to do with religion. Um, and so even, you know, I have folks that I work with that would say that they don't define themselves as even having a sense of spirituality. And I just try to explain to them at its core, it's really just the essence of you and you connecting the essence of you in an intuitive way. And, you know, depending on the client, we might go deeper than that. Um, I work with people that are healers. I work with people that are empaths. I work with people that are medium. Um, I work with individuals that would define themselves as religious. I work with people that are agnostic, atheists, all types of folks. But what I really try to do is help my clients understand some basics of identity and who they are, like what cultivates joy for you. When I can help a client identify what cultivates joy or how they experience joy, I can help them identify what flow feels like. If I can help you identify what flow feels like in addition to your core values, in addition to your strengths, in addition to what emotional experiences um, do you want to cultivate and constantly manifest in life, then I can also help you identify how to distinguish between fear and intuition. I can also help you to identify what type of relationship opportunity or experience serves you and is aligned with you versus the one that might be unhealthy. So the notion of spirituality when it comes to connection to self and how you maneuver relationships, how you make decisions, how you experience the world is so very important. It's also the opportunity to really help individuals understand the importance of mindfulness, stillness, creating reflection time, creating time to build a sense of self-awareness, creating time and space to build a connection with their body, right? Most of my clients are Black women. And outside of existential and transpersonal therapy, I'm very much um, focused on critical race theory and focus a lot on race-based trauma. And so I I really want my Black <laughs> women clients mm -hmm. to understand that our experience as Black women is defined in this country through the lens of our body being a value for productivity and sexual exploitation, Right. So your identity is often centered in what your body can do, whether that's for work or pleasure or reproduction yeah. and how much of your identity is so much more in that and learning how to work with my black women clients to learn how to be gentle with themselves, reparent themselves if they have some wounded inner child issues, learn how to give themselves grace and not experience guilt when they need to rest and stop working and have time boundaries and say no and not be overextending themselves and say yes to joy and no to struggle and learning how to uh, affirm their body no matter what it looks like, learning how to affirm their beauty no matter what it looks like, learning how to affirm their strengths no matter what that looks like, learning how to affirm their areas of opportunity no matter what that looks like, 
incorporating spirituality allows me to allow my clients to see themselves for themselves as opposed through the lens of white supremacy, the white gaze, or any type of pressures that society has put on them. Oh my goodness. That's so, so good. And it's, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate for having hobbies and learning a new language is an incredible hobby to take up. I've been practicing my French with Babbel and it's been such an effective, engaging way to learn. I took French in high school and college, but I got a little rusty and I wanted to brush up before visiting France earlier this year. And I've been hooked on Babbel ever since because it's helped so much. And you too can make amazing progress with your language learning through Babbel. And that's because Babbel actually works. So instead of paying hundreds of dollars for private classes or playing on apps that are basically glorified games, you can take Babbel's quick 10 minute lessons that are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language as soon as three weeks from now. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations, and their methods for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, so you're learning things you would actually say, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. It's no wonder why Babbel has sold over 10 million subscriptions because it's real learning for real conversations. And they're offering a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. So you can get 55% off your Babbel subscription only for our listeners at babbel.com balanced. Get up to 55% off at babbel.com slash balanced, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash balanced. Rules and restrictions may apply. So important. I think we're at a time now where a lot of us are really waking up to that and we're really truly recognizing that and so many conversations around recognizing how many of our beliefs and just beliefs about ourselves and of the systems that we walk within are just so rooted in that, in that mm-hmm. white supremacy, in the patriarchy and realizing like, oh, I actually don't want to be a part of that. And mm-hmm. the fact that you start with helping people connect with themselves of, you know, when you're kind of rejecting these systems, who, what do you want? Like, exactly. who are you really? Exactly. 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 So for I think a lot of women, and I mean, I I used to experience this when I worked more so in the fitness space. So it's going to be kind of a, a more watered down example. But um, I remember when I worked in the fitness space, I would work with a lot of women who had a very hard time connecting with their bodies and, and learning how to listen to their bodies. It's mm-hmm. definitely not impossible, but I think it can be a tricky concept for people to learn when it comes to truly learning how to be okay with stillness and yeah. listen to yourself and yeah. listen to your intuition, right? Yeah. For those who are maybe struggling with that, do you have you know insights or input as to what they can do to really start tapping into that better? Yeah. So I believe that most individuals, there is a baseline level of anxiety that we experience. So, you know, it's great that there's this revolution going on when it comes to folks talking about mental health um, and mental illness. 
but it has all these people like self-diagnosing themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. have depression, anxiety. Okay. Well, yes, you may have that. Um, however, it's also just very normal in today's society to feel anxiety because of goal setting and career and pressure and bills and uh, media and all these things, uh, especially if you're in, you know, a metropolitan or urban city, you know, things are fast. So there is a base level anxiety that a lot of folks have. Now, when it gets to the point of it creates a sense of paralysis and concentration issues, um, insomnia, appetite issues, any type of pain within your body, discomfort, um, then then it's really becoming an issue. And so the opposite of all of the things that you do is to be still, no matter how uncomfortable it is, um, because you're always on and you do have just like a base level of anxiety. The concept of stillness can seem real uncomfortable. Like, what do I do? I've been sitting still for 30 seconds. I've been sitting still for a minute. Dang, this feels like forever. It's a challenge, but it has to be a commitment to a practice. So stillness looks like just starting off five minutes. Have your phone aside from you. Have some things off, like the technology off, because what people don't understand is that all everything has energy. Everything is operating on some type of radioactive radio wave frequency, regardless if you see it or not. That's just the basic concept of light, of colors, of sounds. There's constant vibrations. So when you have any type of screen on, any type of sound on, it's going to interrupt certain vibrations or it's going to give some type of vibrational feedback. If you're trying to create stillness and trying to quiet, still, center, ground your body, ground your mind, you know, you want to start off with maybe like turning stuff off. Now, some people might want to play like Zen music, binaural beats, some type of like chakra balancing meditation or something like that. That's totally fine. I'm saying like if you're in your house, just turn the TV off or you don't have to just sit in front of your laptop and look at it. You know, even if you have your phone on because you're playing something like have it aside from you and really just breathe. Right. So stillness is being still limiting any type of sensory exposure, any type of stimuli, and taking some moments for breathing. I'm not even saying meditation. There are over 15 types of meditative practices. You know, meditation can look a lot of different ways. I'm just saying be still and breathe. And when you breathe, I'm saying take five-second inhale through your nose and then a five-second exhale out your mouth. Do that like five to seven times. And once you're breathing, once you're still, then you create a moment of mindfulness. Mindfulness just essentially means connection and self-awareness. So engage your senses. Identify five things that you see in a room. Try to engage your olfactory sense. What do you smell? You know, just kind of sit in your mouth. Well, you can't sit in your mouth, but you know, just <laughs> be still with your <laughs> mouth, you yeah. right? Um, do you taste anything? Um, 
If you want, you can touch different parts of your body, touch your your hair, touch your arms, your your breasts, your clothes, whatever. Um, pay attention to if you hear anything. The whole point is just learning how to engage your senses. You could also just be still and try to pay attention if you can connect to any sensation in your body. That is really the baseline of stillness, just learning how to create a sense of connection and self-awareness to what's going on in your body and around you. And if you can just do that five minutes in a day, start off once a day and then, you know, you can do it a couple of times a day. Then you can extend from five minutes to 10 minutes. But that's just the basics of stillness. Like, I'm not even telling people you got to meditate 20, 30 minutes a day. Like, meditation practice is a practice. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. But just creating stillness, you can for sure just lay down. And it doesn't even mean that there's going to be quiet because if you're a mommy, if you're, you know, you live in a multi-generational house, you live with other people, it may not ever be quiet. You living in the hood, it may not ever be quiet, but you can just lay down and literally don't move and don't do anything. And that is you creating stillness. Taking time to do that. And like I said, trying to connect to your senses or identify sensations in your body that's the most important thing. Outside of that, I would recommend, especially us, Black women, learning how to do activities mindfully. Example, mindful eating. Instead of being in a rush, cooking your food, eating half of it while you're standing up still cooking it, and then eating the rest on the way to the table and then not having any more to eat, Prepare the meal, plate the meal, sit down, not in front of the TV, check in with your body. How hungry are you? Pay attention to your food, the texture, the aroma, the scent. Um, When you're actually eating the food, chew slowly, let it sit in your mouth. Pay attention to the flavor notes, the spice, the heat, the texture, all of that stuff. Check in with your emotions. Check in with what's going on in your body. At the end, how hungry are you? That is an example of mindful eating, mindful walking. You go outside, you're walking through the house, pay attention to what's around you, whether that's trees, whether that's your wall, whether that's photos, like learn how to connect to what you see and what you're feeling on the inside. And that is the basics of stillness and mindfulness. That's so, so good because it's it's adding more intention to things that we're already doing. Right. And I think sometimes mindfulness and self-care and all of these things, they can feel really daunting when you feel like you have to add something else to your list, when it's another thing to do. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what becomes overwhelming for people. Right. I mean, I'm telling you, I was telling somebody this other day, my black women clients, they are like such hard workers, like (laughs) black women. 
are they don't even understand how ingrained to working they are even if they don't even have a traditional job there is always like i got to do something i got to do something and even for those who you know social media gets to and romanticizes therapy and healing which is like a little bit of annoyance for me um you know people yes I'm ready for my healing. I'm doing all these things. I'm getting my money together. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I'm like, I want to just say, sis, you're creating task lists and making yourself more overwhelmed and anxious and putting more pressure on yourself. And that almost defeats the purpose of you working on yourself because you're also creating a stronger lens of critique and identifying how valuable or not valuable you are based on how much you're healing how much you're improving, how much you're making, how well you're taking care of plants and meditating and how many self-care baths you're doing and how much you're saging and all this other stuff that, you know, social media is like romanticizing. And it's like, it don't have to be that, you know, (laughs) self-care can be you learning how to say no to things that would not serve you. And yes, to things that would serve you. It's learning how to be curious, learning how to take a chance on yourself, drinking water because you need to, paying attention to what your poop looks like, paying attention to what your urine looks like and giving yourself the necessary nutrients based off what's going on. It is making sure that you're not overworking and resting, right? Like these are just really basics of self-care. But when it comes to stillness and mindfulness practice, just know it's about self-awareness. So anything you do, just like you mentioned, learn to do with intention, right? Anything you do, learn to do it with self-awareness. Okay, you're watching this show. You're looking at this blog post. You're scrolling on IG. Why are you doing that? Are you doing it to avoid task? Are you doing it to avoid your anxiety? Are you doing it to numb yourself? Are you doing it because you're trying to avoid some other task? Are you doing it because you're trying to learn? Just understanding why you're doing anything you're doing is mindfulness. Understand what's coming up when you're doing anything that you're doing is mindfulness. That's as simple as it is. Mm, That's so, so good. You know, I so appreciate you saying that because I had a very... I don't, I had kind of a recollection today that was along those same lines um, where I was talking to a friend and I have been a little more MIA lately. Um, And she said something along the lines of like, oh, I appreciate you doing X, Y, Z. I don't remember what I did, but I did something for her. (laughs) She was telling me she appreciated it. She was like, oh, I know how busy you are. And I was thinking like, I'm actually not that busy compared to how I used to be Uh, on purpose. Like I'm busy having free space, but I'm not uh, busy because I'm doing things. I'm busy because I've just created unguarded space that I used to not have, Uh which was such a, I don't know. It was just such a mindset shift from what I was accustomed to. Cause I've totally been that person who you're describing who does all those practices and hashtag healing and really it's just another to-do list of (laughs) more things and learning how to kind of back up a little bit and just have space is such, it makes such a difference. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, 
I think that that's a great point that you bring up. And I'm not going to guess your life, but I can imagine you, regardless if you see yourself as such, you are a leader in the wellness space because of the platform that you created. And I'm so sure that many, um, even if they don't call themselves influencers, right? Individuals who do impact people on a larger scale, they, they are influencers, right? And so there is, even in your authenticity, there can be the pressure to perform. And that takes away from your wellness, mindfulness, self-care, intentionality, and practices, right? Because it's not just, I'm going to meditate, but, oh, I need to create content. Let me meditate and take a picture of myself, right? Let Mm -hmm. me sage and then take a picture of my altar, you know, and regardless if somebody is an influencer or not, you know, there is a, a level of privacy or just like sanctity that has been taken out of you just having these practices for yourself because yeah. everything is so like, let me share, share, share. And I think that there is um, a beauty and a gift in sharing because, you know, you get to empower other people, but it's okay to have things for yourself, you know, and like not do it with the expectation of like getting a response from someone or having to always give, you know, you can pick and choose when you want to give. It's okay. And when you get to the point of I'm creating these to-do lists around my self-care practice, and I also need to make sure I'm sharing <laughs> what I'm doing. It it can just like, you know, create unnecessary anxiety, you know. And being intentional about keeping your practice for yourself in the way that you see fit is so important. 100%. I feel like you've just very accurately described my life (laughs) in using social media so much less. I actually had an interesting realization last week around my meditation practice because I do meditate regularly and sometimes I feel like it's, you know, more effective than other times. But um, as we were talking before we started recording, how I had to reschedule this interview because I ended up having to get a root canal when we were originally going to record this. Um, When I was in that dentist chair getting the root canal, which was not a fun experience, I was actually meditating the entire time. And it was probably one of the best meditations that I'd ever had that completely got me through that discomfort and, you know, not fun procedure. And that was a reminder of, oh, that this is why I do this. I I do that practice. I have that tool so that when I'm in a really uncomfortable situation or something's painful or it's like, I have that tool to fall back on. Right. Right. And it's a tool you can fall back on because you've created a practice. Yeah. And that's the other part is that folks are thirsting and hungry for these practices that to me at the heart of the matter, self-care is anything, like I said, that's honoring, nourishing, promotes self-preservation and any type of restoration. Right. But the thing is, there's so many people that have grown up or developed into adults where they are used to subscribing to an idea of lack, struggle, overworking, deficit, 
So they're like, oh, look at all these amazing things that all these amazing women that look all zen and glowy and happy <laughs> and thriving <laughs> are doing. I want to do it all. Right. <laughs> so you go out, you spend three hundred dollars on plants. Um, you buy all these stones, <laughs> you buying all this sage, um, you creating a whole little meditation room, like doing all this stuff. And then you're like, oh, dang, what do I do? Okay. I'm going to sit for five minutes. Oh my gosh. I can't stop thinking. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. Ooh, this stuff is hard. Girl, because it's a practice like this. Mm-hmm. It's not just like you buy all these things <laughs> yeah. and you're just like, you sw- flip the switch off, right? Like, you have had years of a meditative practice. So when you want to tap into it, it's easily accessible. And that's the other thing that folks don't understand, that anything that has to do with a spiritual practice, a mindfulness practice, it is that. It's a practice. It's skill set that you have to build up over time. And you're not going to just start doing it and everything in your life is just about to be like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, that's just not how it is. Everything is transformative. And when it comes to meditation, there's tons of research that it literally changes the brain's functioning, you know, so it's impacting you on a cellular level, but cells reproduce faster than they change. So it, it takes so much more time for what's going on in your body to change than it does to just like reproduce. You know what I mean? Um, So it's beautiful that you're able to access that. And I'm sure that you have a lot of uh, listeners and community members that follow you that probably feel really inspired by what you do, but have to understand you've been at this for a long time. Mm -hmm. This ain't new for you. Such a good point. It's true. And I I love what you said about it being a practice that it's accumulates over time, you know, like we see the images of the person, like you said, with the crystals or with the plants or whatever, and we want to recreate that. But who knows how long they probably started one, one plant, one meditation session at a time. And we may see an image of it all together, but it's, it snowballs and doing it just one thing, one practice at a time is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just important. Like you're trying to release stress. Don't stress yourself out. (laughs) Try to release stress like that. That don't make sense. You know, I mean, the amount of money that's back into new age techniques is like crazy. I mean, I don't understand. I'd be seeing like white sage, a bunch of white sage selling for like $20. Like, why is that happening? Like that, that's ridiculous. And then people spending all this money on all these things, thinking that just because they buy it, it's going to give them the sense of peace and relief that they need. And it's like, it's inner work. And these are all tools. It's not that the tools are going to make your life better. You're going to use the tools to access things within you to therefore have a personal transformation or some type of journey of spiritual enlightenment. But understand it's a path. It's a journey. It takes time. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good reminder. And I would love to get your insight on tools and how we kind of find the the tools of mindfulness and self-care that work for us. 
um, how long should we try a tool out and give it a try and and decide maybe this is for me, maybe I should try something else? And, and what does that process look like? Well, psychologically, research shows that it takes 21 days to start building or releasing a new habit and 90 days to like solidify it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do anything, at least try it for 30 days. Um, And there's so many different ways to gauge if an impact is happening. But it's always important that when you're starting any type of practice, you set an intention. An intention is not the same thing as a goal or expectation, okay? A goal, expectation, very specific outcome-driven. Intention is more about what you want to experience. So when you set intentions for any activity, any relationship, any experience, you know, that you're going to have, you're going to pay attention to if there's any shifts in what you're feeling, right? Yeah. Um, So when it comes to, let's say, meditation, right? okay, I want to try meditation. Uh, I'm going to download an app and, you know, I'm going to start doing this five minutes a day. Okay, so what's your intention? Your intention, be mindful of things like, I'm going to feel more peaceful. Okay, that's cool. What does that look like for you though? Like, does more peaceful look like less racing thoughts? Does more peaceful look like you have the ability to be gentle with yourself? Does it look like you have decreased irritability? Does it look like um, you not being reactive and you being responsive? Like understand what peace would actually be like for you, right? So as you start doing the meditation, you can notice, okay, am I being less irritable? Am I responding more positively? Am I being more open? If I see these little bitty shifts, then that's helpful. Because sometimes people think peace is automatically just like not caring about anything. (laughs) And they have a very specific Mm -hmm. idea as to peace just looks like this one thing, right? And so you got to give it some time because you might have little bitty shifts. You know, instead of this person saying something to you and you completely cussing them out, maybe you just have the thought of cussing them out. (laughs) That's a shift, right? (laughs) Um, Maybe instead of making some smart comment, maybe you just roll your eyes. Maybe instead of rolling your (laughs) eyes, you just give them a blank stare. I don't know. Like there could be some type of shift, right? I think when it comes to practices, you want to just pay attention to if there are any little bitty shifts that happen for you and give it time because it's not realistic to be like, oh, I want to start meditating. And then by the end of the seven days, like I'm just going to be at everybody in my life. And if that's not happening, then meditation is not working. That's such good advice. I love the, the, tip on just like the mini bits of progress towards peace, right? Like thinking about cussing somebody out instead of actually doing it or like all, all of that, those baby steps, because I, you're so right. It can feel so tempting right. to want to be all or nothing. Like 
I have meditated. I did the 10 day meditation challenge. Now I am right. a full sacred being and it don't work. <laughs> just and doesn't work say, that I'm way. I'm so glad you said that. Also, because even with therapy, I tell clients this. If I got people coming in, whether they in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, some 60s, like session is 50 minutes. Okay. You think because you didn't get to where you wanted to get to in three or four sessions, which is four hours, you expect to change your whole life in a matter of four hours <laughs> compared to the 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years that it's taking you to even get to this point. That is hella unrealistic. You know, it mm -hmm. takes time, but paying attention to little pivots. You know, so you, you got to have some patience. I say give any practice at least 30 days. And it's important to be as consistent as possible, but don't put too much pressure on yourself to the to the sense of if you're like, oh, my gosh, I missed a day. I'm horrible. I'm not disciplined. This that, and the other like it defeats the purpose if it's going to create <laughs> more stress for you. You know, you could just literally Google mindfulness practices, um, which is which is really, mm -hmm. really important. Something that I think is so easy to do is always breathing. Super basic. You breathe in anyway. So, I mean, you can just be more intentional mm -hmm. with it. Right. Um, <laughs> journaling. I'm very big on journaling. I give my clients deep dive questions in between. Um, I myself have published several journals. I have a mindfulness journal available on Amazon. I have a gratitude reflection journal available. I have a self-love reflection journal available. Um, I believe in the power of journaling because it allows you to give yourself, grant yourself permission and space to be authentic and vulnerable without judgment out criticism you identify what's coming up for you you process it you lay it all out and nobody there and you just release and you get to see what is really within you and as you read through things the brain is just like an amazing organ to where it just starts connecting stuff and you'll just start going places you didn't even know that you could go and it really builds a sense of self-awareness and connection. Um, and like I said, just like laying, just being still, all very basic practices, things that don't take money. You can go to a Dollar Tree 99 cent store and buy a journal. You know, people that are like, oh, let me go and buy all these stones. Let me, you know, get these necklaces. Let me do a yoni scene. Let me uh, buy into this meditation retreat. Let me buy all these books. Like you can do all that. But you ain't got to spend money to be connected with yourself. So don't ever think that. Mm -hmm. And part of my annoyance with, you know, the wellness industry is everything gets to be monetized and a gimmick. And it creates this idea like people need to pay into wellness and well-being. And yes, there are some aspects that you do, but there are very much a lot of aspects that are like totally accessible for yourself. You just need to create the time and space. 100%. I'm so glad that you said that because I actually think some of the things that are most impactful are the things that don't cost money. Reflection, breathing. I mean, you know, we're living 
through a pandemic that affects yeah. people's breathing. So if, if you have the ability to breathe right now, like that's incredible. And that is a gift. And, and being mindful of that doesn't cost anything, but is so grounding right now. And um, yeah, I'm just really glad that you, yeah, that no, you that's, mentioned that's that. Very, very, very true. And I think one of the best mindfulness practices is a gratitude practice. And it could be just as simple as, um, and I actually lead something on IG Live uh, at Tiff Inspires called uh, Grounding and Gratitude on Mondays at 8.30 a.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time. But I just ask people, what are five things that you're grateful for and why? And I instruct folks to state what you're grateful for, think about it, take some deep breaths. And then say, why? Take some deep breaths. Gratitude practice is such, such, such an amazing mindfulness practice. And stating gratitude don't have to even take more than like three to four minutes. You know, you can do that in the morning. You can do that throughout the day when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling defeated, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling angry. Doesn't mean that the the uncomfortable or intense emotion that you're experiencing is going to go away, but it shifts the experience a little bit. And you get to be more aware of other emotions within you aside from that uncomfortable emotion, you know, because we're complex and we can hold multiple emotions at once. And um, going back to your statement about folks often having all or none thinking uh, we call that a cognitive distortion. And the reality is, you know, you don't have to just be sad. It's totally possible to be sad and grateful. It's totally possible to experience both anger at the same time. We are complex. We're multidimensional. And that's just the human experience, you know. And so understanding that at any moment, you could tap into gr gratitude. Any moment. Absolutely any moment. Um, and breath. Like, those are the most simplest mindfulness tools that you can use anytime. Mm, that's so beautiful. And we will make sure in the show notes that we have the information. Um, one, we'll link to all of your contact information as well as to where people can find your journals and your Instagram so that folks can join you on Mondays because that is really beautiful to have that, that held space Thanks, for it. gratitude. Of course. So Tiffany, I would love to also talk mm -hmm. about how you're taking care of yourself. I mean, this year has been heavy for everybody. And I know I'm sure as a human, you feel that on a human level. Um, but also being someone who's experiencing the same things we're all experiencing and mm -hmm. supporting others through it. Um, how have you been able to also take care of yourself? And, and how can we make sure that you who supports others is also oh, supported like as well. Emotion, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been, I am grateful that I have mastered self-care. I can brag yeah. on that. If there is no other strength I have is that I yeah. have mastered self-care in preparation for a season like this. Because let me tell you, I am a crier. I love when people cry. I like to facilitate uh, crying moments for people. But let me tell you, sis, it's hard being a therapist, being a Black woman, experiencing and being connected to the collective grief, getting to hold space for other Black bodies experiencing the grief and them showing up and looking you in your eye and crying about 
somebody getting killed, crying about someone getting disrespected, being afraid to let their child out the house, being uncomfortable with going into work. That mess is hard and it takes a lot of energy to hold straight face, be grounded enough to hold the space where they feel like their emotions can be contained. It, it's a whole skill set and spiritual practice. And I thank the ancestors every day for giving me the capacity to do it. Uh, because there are some days, yeah. you know, I feel so excited about the breakthroughs that people have at the end of the day. And some days where I have a headache and I'm tired and I got to go to sleep. So self-care for me often looks like uh, spacing, um, having space in between my sessions. And I say I'm senior pastor of the nap ministry. I take at least two to three naps throughout the day. I take power naps fit anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes. Um, so that's really important for me. Uh, I typically have journal time that I set aside. I def- My birthday's on Saturday and I get real reflective right before then. I had a whole hour and a half journal session this morning. I am really big on gratitude. I am really big on drinking water before and after sessions uh, because emotional expression and holding emotional space, it actually creates a lot of energy expulsion you know so water is always the most best natural um remedy for you know not only metabolism um and detoxification but you know also energy you know gives your cell oxygen so those are like my basic self-care um i've been really big on um Epsom salt baths with um, essential oils. I usually take one at the end of each week, Mm -hmm. um, anywhere from like 45 minutes to like one day, a couple of times I've had like a two hour bath. Um, I've been listening to classical music more. It's really helped me a lot. Um, I got into a really bad car accident in April and I feel like it definitely, I had a bad concussion, but it's crazy. Like it, really shook my brain to the point that I can experience transcendental meditation like really easily. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I definitely get into um, meditative states a lot. So I try my best. Um, I think that I'm grateful for the friends I have because they're doing more of what you just did and asking me, how are you? Because I'm typically the friend that randomly texts people like, oh, you are my spirit. I'm thinking of you, this, that, and the other. And people have been doing that more for me. And so I've actually had to like challenge myself to express to them like I'm in constant states of grief, you know, and I've been able to move through the grief. But I know that the grief definitely does impact me. Being a therapist is a spiritual calling for me. So in the moment, I feel like I have such high octane and capacity for holding space and for being able to support my clients. Um, But it's like once I'm out of sessions, it's almost like the ancestors like, okay, girl, bye. And then I just feel the weight of my humanness, you know, so I don't feel it in session, but definitely after sessions, I feel it a lot. So those are some of the things that I do, but I think that resting is like the most important to me. And um, I'm all about creating intentional, cultivating joy intentionally. And so for me, that's coloring, um, painting, 
laughing, having dance parties, finding um, Black joy representation. So thankful for Strong Black Lead uh, campaign in Netflix, you know, half oh my, my girlfriend, yes. Moesha, you know, all the stuff. This, this for stuff, sure. You know, so, so yeah, those, those are, are the things. And then, you know, my, my spiritual practices. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it was important to me to ask that question because for therapists like yourself, being a black woman and a black woman therapist, your work is incredibly important. But during this time where we're all feeling heightened sense of of grief and anxiety all collectively, it really puts into perspective how incredible it is that you're able to do what you do while also still feeling what we feel. And so I really appreciate you and what you do. Thank you. Sending you hugs. I appreciate that. Yeah, people don't know. Therapists are so booked right now. I mean, people yeah. probably do know as they're trying to find therapists in their books. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and it seems like after every story that emerges, after every case, after every sentencing, after every loss, um, there's a new wave. And it's been yeah. like that since Kobe Bryant dying this year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just like constantly happening. So a lot of us as therapists, you know, we make sure to have therapists um, as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely uh, been tough. But I think most people are like beyond if people don't have a good self-care practice, they're going to experience burnout. For the people that do, um, we feel so honored to hold space, you know. And so I just want to say anybody listening, if you are thinking of therapy, you're scared, you're nervous, you're not sure. I just want to encourage you to take the step, take the leap and do it. Even if you feel like you don't have anything to process, like, there is so many things that you can work on in therapy, you know, just learning how to be more gentle with yourself or learning how to encourage yourself or, you know, overcoming fear, overcoming anxiety, um, overcoming any limiting beliefs, um, learning how to communicate more effectively, learning how to identify your emotions and express them in a way that is validating for you, learning how to be more open and expressive. Like there's just so many things. Um, I just want to encourage you to, to go to therapy because it can be really, really helpful. And sometimes you don't know how much you're holding on to until you allow someone else to take the weight off for you. It's so true. It is so, so true. And it helps you just just understand, yeah. um, understand yourself better and understand how you process things uh-huh. so much better. And it's, it's an incredible tool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So Tiffany, what does being a balanced black girl mean to you? Being intentional about creating whatever feels like harmony, joy, and freedom. Mm. being in tune with what feels nurturing um, and honoring to me. And that is what I honestly am committed to every single day, honoring myself and nurturing myself. Beautiful. Oh, I love that so much. I have chills as you were saying that. (laughs) So how can our audience keep in touch with you and support your work? 
Yeah. So um, I have a platform called uh, The Bee Life. Um, so that's The B-E uh, Life. And you can visit my website, livethebeelife.com. There you can find my products. Like I mentioned, I have a couple of guided journals. I have some identity workbooks. Um, my last book I just released, in, or not just released, almost a year now, uh, last December called The Five Commandments of Self-Love. It's a really, really amazing book. And I'm not just saying that because um, I wrote it. That That is the consensus that most people give back to me after they read it. Um, if you are looking to, you know, dive deeper in understanding yourself and how you can build a stronger, deeper, higher connection with yourself, it's a great book. It has a lot of questions. So it's also a really amazing um, journaling tool as well. You can follow my Be Life Instagram page at the underscore B underscore life, or you can follow my personal page uh, or Instagram account at Tiff Inspires. So that's T I F F Inspires. I'm a, I am a wonder luster. Um, so I post a lot about my travels, and even during this time, I'm, I'm an avid hiker. So I post you know, a lot about hiking, traveling, um, and I connect things with like empower me empowerment and like mental health and mental health awareness messages. So, um, yeah, looking just for some goodness, you know, feel free to follow me. If you have any questions, you can go on my website and email me or, you know, send me a DM, um, on live the life.com. I have a whole page of mental health resources, has therapy directories, websites for different um, mental health organizations has a whole list of apps and things that you could download. So, um, yep, that's pretty much that. Amazing. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes so that folks can find you, find your work, find those resources, which are incredible. Thank you for creating those. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for being here today. I love this conversation. Thank you, sis. Thank you for everything that you do for creating the space and staying committed to yourself and to us. We appreciate you. Oh, it is so mutual. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Balanced Black Girl Podcast. I hope this conversation helped inspire you on your own personal self-care and well-being journey. To continue the conversation, make sure you check out our website at balanceblackgirl.com where you can find show notes and more information about each of our episodes. And you can stay in touch with us at Balanced Black Girl Podcast on Instagram, at Balanced Black Girl on Facebook. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps the show. Thanks again for tuning in and keep taking care.